And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you are well. It is mid-July, still hot. I'm always talking about the weather. I'm always talking about the weather. I don't care if it's cold, it's hot, even if it's 72 and sunny. Uh, I'm a big fan of the weather. Uh, the weather coming from God. So uh, obviously, I'd be a big fan of the weather. Um, by the way, I'm coming to you from my basement uh, today, uh, right next to Joe Biden, by the way. We're like basement buddies. That's not true. Uh, Joe Biden's not next to me. But the, the point simply is, is that, uh, you know, I, I'm enjoying doing this podcast in essence, from my basement. And I think Joe Biden is enjoying uh, campaigning for president from his basement because, I mean, that's pretty much where he goes. Or he goes like down the street to Delaware, uh, down the street to Delaware, you know, somewhere in Delaware uh, and has a socially distant uh, press conference where like five people ask him uh, softball questions. Then he goes right back to the basement. Uh, Anyhow, I want to do that on another podcast. Uh, Today on the podcast, two uh, heavy hitters, uh, Nikki Haley, the former uh, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, and Rick Grinnell, the former acting uh, director of national intelligence uh, for the Trump administration. Uh, So we've got uh, quite a bit on the podcast today. Look, we don't we don't mess around. I mean, we bring you heavy hitters. Literally, in my case, I'm heavy hitting every day because I'm pretty much overweight. But other than that, I'm talking about newsmakers who are big deals. Getting to all of that here on the podcast today. But before we get to that, a quick word. Of course, I want you to check out my friend Scott Rasmussen and his new podcast. It's called Number of the Day. He basically takes a poll. He takes a number, breaks down its meeting. Uh, Everything from the presidential race to how Americans feel about issues like the actual race, as in race relations, uh, the economy and more. Great way to start out your day. Number of the Day. Scott Rasmussen's new podcast on Just the News uh, all across our platform. So go to justthenews.com, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, iTunes, and all of that. Don't forget, of course, John Solomon reports his great podcast, Cheryl Atkinson as well, uh, Cheryl Atkinson's podcast. And of course, uh, feel free to check out my podcast, which is right here from the basement, The Pod's Honest Truth. All right, next, Nikki Haley, right here on the podcast. Back in a moment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. I want to now do this interview with Nikki Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. I've known uh, Nikki Haley for, oh, goodness, uh, it's got to be close to a a decade now or so. Uh, She's salt of the earth. Uh, You know, uh, she's she's the real deal. Uh, She's got some serious snap to her. Uh, She's, as my uh, father would say, a smart cookie. Uh, if you will. Um, and look, the bottom line is we all know the deal, right? I mean, she's going to run for president. Hello. We know this. Uh, so get ready for that in 2024. Uh, in the meantime, I had a chance to speak with her uh, this past week, or actually a few days ago, uh, about a lot of different topics. Now, yeah, normally we would talk about international relations. Didn't really have time to do that. We had about 10 minutes with her. But I wanted to talk to her about the state of the race, 
Trump and Biden. I wanted to talk to her about race relations and the cancel culture and COVID-19 and whether or not if she believes that the federal government should basically uh, take the position that schools should reopen, you know, what would her view be as a former governor? Of course, she was the former governor of South Carolina. So we get into all of that in our conversation with Nikki Haley. Here it is. You see all these polls on paper. I guess it doesn't look good for the president. But uh, right now, what is your prediction? Do you think Donald Trump is going to win this thing in November? Well, I think these are unprecedented times. I mean, the idea that we would have a virus take over the world where literally the world stood still at one moment in time um, to have all this racial unrest. I mean, there's a lot going on. And I think that First of all, you know, I think that the president will do what he does best. I mean, put him on a debate stage, get him out there campaigning, talking about the results that he's done. Yes, I still think that he can come out with a solid win in November. It's not going to be easy, but it really hasn't started to be campaign season yet. You know, mm -hmm. until we get to Labor Day, it's hard to take all of that seriously until we have conventions and debates. You know, it's going to be hard to take it seriously, but this is unprecedented waters for any president, for any governor. And I think we've watched them all try and do the best that they can. You know, Ambassador Haley, uh, this next, qu next question is a bit fair game here about mental clarity with Joe Biden. It's out there. He's even had to answer these questions. Have you, have you seen, I mean, he seems like he's not quite on his game like he used to be. What, what's your assessment of that? Well, I think, you know, you have to look at his speeches. I think you have to look at his interactions. And there are times where he seems slow or forgetful. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen with age. But I think that, you know, the true test is going to be when you put him on a debate stage with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no question when you look at who, you know, really comes across, knows the issues, sharp, aggressive. I mean, the president's going to have a really strong showing in the debates. And I think that um, you know, Joe Biden's got to really step up and show that he's ready for the job. I don't think we've seen that yet because he hasn't really been campaigning. He hasn't been mm -hmm. taking on the hard questions from from reporters. And so until he does that, everyone's going to question whether he's really ready for the job. I want to turn to Black Lives Matter. Uh, look, we all agree with the sentiment. Hello, Black Lives Matter, of course. But the Black Lives Matter organization seems to be obviously far different. In essence, their mission statement is that they want to change the the nuclear family, the American nuclear family. Uh, and of course, in New York, uh, in your uh, adopted home city, if you will, or at least for now, uh, people painted a Black Lives mural right outside of Trump Tower. You know about that. Uh, and of course, to no one's surprise, a key people like Mayor de Blasio and Al Sharpton showed up. I mean, of course, you can't pass up that visual uh, and political opportunity. They've both been very critical of the way uh, Trump is handling race relations. This week during a Fox News interview, the president hit back on de Blasio. I want you to have a listen real quick. I got that man everything. I spoke to him many times. He couldn't have been nicer. And then he throws a big Black Lives Matter sign right down in the middle of Fifth Avenue. And all merchants along Fifth Avenue are furious. Uh, Ambassador, what do you make of the future of New York City right now, and especially your message to Mayor Bill de Blasio? I mean, the future of New York City is scary right now. I mean, you could go and de Blasio has been a total embarrassment through this whole thing. Mm -hmm. The idea that he did the photo op in front of Trump Tower, one, it's petty. Secondly, it's immature. And third, it does nothing to move the ball on Black Lives Matter. You can paint a road. Why don't you get law enforcement to come together and meet with the community, talk with those that are that are concerned, work on police reform, work on what you're going to do to change things. Painting a road, is that all Bill de Blasio's got left? That's pretty pathetic. And doing it in front of the Trump Tower, 
I mean, it's just childish. It really is childish. And I'm embarrassed for him. I'm sad for the Black Lives Matter movement that started wanting to really help people. And it's not doing that because now they're starting to pick and choose which Black Lives Matter. And I've said this before. What about the black shop owner whose business was burned down? What about the black officers that have died? What about the black children, six of them that died this past weekend? Their lives matter. Why is the Black Lives Matter movement picking and choosing? And then now you have the CEO of Goya Foods, who was invited by President Obama Mm -hmm. and went to the White House, invited by President Trump, went to the White House, yet now, suddenly his life doesn't matter? Do brown lives not matter? Because that's a Hispanic-owned business that employs a lot of people, and you're going to destroy them because he went and met with the president of the United States. It's gotten too far gone, David. This is getting to where it's not productive. It's embarrassing. And those that really care about a movement would want more about the sitting down and talking about results than anything else. And I've got to say, when you look at President Trump, they can paint in front of his building, but you tell me about the lives and all of the people that got jobs, the women, the the Mm -hmm. African-Americans, the women that got jobs under President Trump's watch. What about those lives? If you ask them about that painting and that mural, in front of Trump Tower, they would tell you that does nothing. What about the tax cuts where I saw all of my staff yeah. get so much more in their paychecks? It's gotten too far, David, and I well, think that this is why they're losing credibility. Well, you mentioned too far. We're in cancel culture land now, uh, Ambassador Haley. It's, it's out of control. The Confederate statues, look, you led in South Carolina on this. You, you've got something to say. What's the solution to all of this when and all of these Confederate statues, you know, talking about those coming down, but now Christopher Columbus and my goodness, uh, Frederick Douglass, it's out of control. What is your solution? According to Nancy Pelosi, she says uh, people are going to do what people are going to do. It's just this is where we're at in America today. When Nancy Pelosi forgives the lawlessness that's happening in this country, it shows that she's been there too long. She's tired and she continues to show why I strongly believe in term limits. When it comes to this cancel culture, look, it was five years ago today that the Confederate flag came down in South Carolina. It was a painful time. It was a tough time. But law enforcement came together. Communities came together. The churches came together. Everybody came together for the good of South Carolina. And when they wanted to move the monuments, what we said was the flag represents present and future. Monuments represent past. And what I said was, if we start renaming street signs and and taking down monuments, all of South Carolina would be completely up for debate. But instead, I said, let's add to it. So we supported an African-American museum. We supported a monument going up to honor the Mother Emanuel. We added to that history. And what I'll tell you is, in this situation in time, where you have statues of Grant and Frederick Douglass and Lincoln coming down, what is the Black Lives Movement trying to do? What did that just solve? Mm -hmm. And when you've got Gandhi being destroyed, really? I mean, in the name of peace, what are we talking about? I mean, this mm-hmm. is the niceties and the political correctness yeah. that is happening with people that aren't saying anything is wrong. It's wrong for our children. It's wrong for our grandchildren. It's wrong for our future. Get in a room, mm-hmm. sit at a table, debate what reforms you want, and let's get it done. 
painting roads, destroying statues, mm -hmm. and allowing lawlessness is what will bring about the end to America. And we can't yeah. let that happen. Ambassador Haley, I could talk to you all day. I've got about 30 seconds. I've got to ask you about COVID-19 and schools specifically. You've got kids, obviously a bit older now, but you know, schools, there's been this big debate about opening this fall. What say you, uh, would, would you, <laughs> if you had young kids, I mean, would you be sending the kids back to school in the fall? As a mom who just had a senior in high school who's getting ready to go to college and a senior in college, two children, I want them to go to school. I don't want them to miss a year. And I think about the families like those in South Carolina, those parents that have to go to work, those parents I have after school programs that I help in rural challenged areas. Those kids, they need the meals. They need that academic help. They need to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, let the parents decide. If, the, if they are okay with their kids going to school, send them to school. If they want them to learn virtually, do that. But allow those kids to go to school, allow those parents to get back to work to provide for their families and let the people make those decisions. We don't need government bureaucrats or anybody else making those decisions. Kids need to learn. Mm -hmm. And we all know the gap that they face when they are not allowed to go to school. We saw that this last year with virtual learning. Mm -hmm. I saw it as a mom. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth. We heard from Nikki Haley first in the podcast. Now time for our interview with Rick Grinnell, the former U.S. ambassador to Germany. But he made a lot of news when he was at least temporarily the acting director of national intelligence for the Trump administration. That was roughly February or so of 2020 through May of 2020. And during that time, uh, he did quite a bit, including unmasking many of these former Obama administration officials in terms of their involvement with Michael Flynn and what they knew and when they knew it. So um, Rick Rennell uh, was responsible for that. We talked to him about that. I specifically asked him about that. But before we get into any of that, I want to play you a quick soundbite uh, from my interview with President Trump a few weeks ago when I asked the president specifically uh, when it comes to President Obama, what crime did he actually commit as it relates to all of this that we've heard about spying on his campaign? I want you to listen to this because Rick Grinnell is going to react to what the president said. So here's what the president told me. On Obama and the spying situation, this, this idea that they were spying on your campaign, you've been asked before about what crime he would have potentially committed. But I remember you talking to... Treason. Well, treason. That's what I was going to ask. It's treason. Look, it's treason. look. When I came out a long time ago, I said, they've been spying on my campaign. Mm -hmm. I said, they've been taping, and that was in quotes, meaning a modern-day version of taping. It's all the same thing, but a modern-day version. But they've been spying on my campaign. I told you that a long time ago. Turned out I was right. Let's see what happens to them now. Okay, so clearly uh, the president of the United States thinks Barack Obama committed treason. Uh, when it came to spying on his campaign. Uh, by the way, I love the way he says it. You know, treason, treason, definitely treason. Of course, it's got to be treason. And, you know, typical Trump uh, to go ahead and do that. Uh, so, so now I have an interview with Rick Grinnell, and that's how we start out the conversation. I specifically asked Rick Grinnell 
about this charge by the president that Barack Obama committed treason on the Trump campaign. Here is my interview with Rick Grinnell. You just heard the president say former President Obama committed treason. What, what do you say about something like that? Well, look, let's look at the facts. Um, what we have now come to realize after looking at classified information that was declassified by looking at emails that Susan Rice sent to herself on Inauguration Day is that this time period between Election Day and Inauguration Day, when we are supposed to be having a peaceful transition of power, we now know that the Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden at the time, was uh, in January, just weeks before the election, looking for information, manipulating intelligence, and now we also know that some of that manipulation, uh, political manipulation of intelligence, was leaked half-heartedly uh, to reporters. And so I don't think that you can come to any other conclusion uh, other than this, this past administration, the Obama administration, weaponized intelligence. There's a lot of charges that that people politicize intelligence. And, and let me be very clear. I, I think that it's terrible when either the Republicans or the Democrats weaponize, politicize intelligence. When they take raw intelligence and they put it out there like it's verified. Intelligence is an estimate. And it needs to go through a process of being verified. Anyone who leaks raw intelligence for political purposes mm -hmm. should be condemned. And if reporters take that information uh, and somehow use it publicly, the, pe the people who provide that information are violating uh, the law and they should be punished. Real quick, Rick, uh, he's implicating, though, of course, the president of the United States saying treason. Is that, is that, too, is that over the line or is that too much? Look, I, I agree with President Trump because when you look at Susan Rice's own words, again, she emailed herself on Inauguration Day, the Inauguration Day of President Trump. She emailed herself after the 12 o'clock time period when President Trump was now the president. She was still at the White House, and she sent an email to herself under the Trump presidency. And she used words, uh, again, emailing herself to almost redo history to try to come up with a justification for why they just spent three or four months unmasking names, why we had these charges mm -hmm. where uh, they were talking about Russian collusion. Yeah. David, what we know uh, is that all of these charges of Russian collusion on television, uh, when these individuals were asked under oath, you can go to the transcripts, every single mm -hmm. one of them under oath during the House Intelligence mm -hmm. uh, Committee meetings, said, I don't have any evidence, I don't see anything. Right. So a public uh, pronouncement is not the same as what they're saying under oath. I, look, where I come from outside of Washington, that's called mm -hmm. lying. You know, speaking of the Michael Flynn case, you're the one who declassified the list of names from the Obama era, those seeking to unmask Michael Flynn. Um, President or Vice President Joe Biden was on that list. He was asked about that and said he only knew about the fact that he was being investigated, that Michael Flynn was being investigated. But recently unsealed documents would suggest that Vice President Joe Biden at the time was actually the one who suggested the investigation of Michael Flynn. Do you buy that he didn't know anything beyond the fact that he was being investigated? 
I may buy that he doesn't remember because he, he seems to have a very short memory right now, but uh, I don't buy that he didn't know. And Susan Rice's email is clear. Uh, again, she wrote an email to herself on the inauguration day of President Trump about a meeting that had taken place a week or two before. Uh, that, that is suspect. That is suspicious. And anyone who looks at the, the facts can immediately say that, say that Susan Rice was up to something. She was covering tracks. She was trying to redo history on what had been transpiring over the last couple of weeks. Look, I have to go back to this point because I think it's a really good point. We have, an, we have an election day in November and an inauguration day in January. That's a transition period. The reason why there's a gap is because we're the greatest country in the world with serious policy issues, yeah. and we have to have a peaceful transition of power to hand off to the next administration. So I, I think this is the period where I focused on because we know who the president is, mm -hmm. and the team that is currently in office clearly was up to no good when it came to uh, looking at what Flynn, the incoming national security advisor, was doing. He was talking to, to foreign leaders, which is exactly what he is supposed to do. And by the way, I encourage your viewers to go read Susan Rice's transcript, which is on yeah. the DNI website and is publicly available, because she will admit in her transcript, she and Samantha Powers both uh, say, that they, during their transition from Bush to Obama, they were planning and talking to world leaders and having uh, meetings. They did that once they, were, uh, once they were known in November to have won the election when Obama won. President Bush is still the president until late January, and they are preparing. The Bush team didn't have any problem with that. We know who the next president is. We're trying to have a peaceful transition of power. These are important transition periods, and we shouldn't have the administration that's in power surprised by the fact that the Trump team won, yeah. angry by the fact that the Trump team won, and then we, we find ourselves on Inauguration Day. Let me make one more point. Sure. On Donald Trump's Inauguration Day, 67 Democrats, 67, refused to go to the inauguration. They refused to have a peaceful transition of power celebration. And let me tell you, as someone who's worked at the State Department for 11 years, if that would have happened in another country, we would have condemned it. We would have said, stop being crybabies. Stop being sore losers. Go to the inauguration and show a peaceful transition of power. This is not the way the United States opposition party should be behaving. Hey, Rick, we got about a less than a minute left, so good luck with this question on John Bolton. What was the relationship like that you had with him, and uh, what did you think of the book when it came out? Do you see that as betrayal to this country, uh, to this administration? Well, David, as you know, I served at the UN for eight years, uh, worked yeah. for four different ambassadors, and uh, John Bolton was there one year of my eight years, and I got to work very closely with him during that one year. Uh, John was somebody who I thought was going to focus on the fact that whoever is the president of the United States gets to make the policies. But clearly when he was national security advisor, whether it was Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, or Kosovo, Serbia, which are issues that I work on very closely, he did his own policy. He had his own ideas, and they were opposite of what President Trump wanted. And so I think that the onus is on him to explain why he was undercutting the president of the United States. I haven't read the book, but I think it's shameful for him to come out and do all of this talking uh, later on. And, and he should have spoken up 
and then uh, after speaking up and stating his position, yeah. walked out of the Oval Office and implemented the President of the United States' policy. Rick Burnell, great conversation, great insight. Really appreciate you joining us here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, today on the podcast, we had Rick Grinnell and Nikki Haley. My thanks to both of them. Going to have a lot more tier A newsmakers uh, in the near future. Before we leave you, uh, just some thoughts real quick on what is going on with the polling regarding Donald Trump. We see these polls all the time, right? Trump down 10, 12, 14, 16. It's all among registered voters. We've even actually had now some polls showing likely voters, which is a better sampling, a better sense of how things are going. And uh, once again, he's down about seven or eight points. Uh, I will say this, there was a new poll out uh, that shows Donald, or excuse me, uh, Joe Biden, that was was leading by 13 or 14 points. It's now down to seven. So this polling is all over the place. We're not quite sure how it's all going to play out. I will just say this, and we did a podcast on this about a couple months ago, but there are secret Trump voters out there. Uh, I'm not suggesting that there are, you know, millions and millions, but there are quite a few and they reside in battleground states. And I, I wonder if we're not just setting up for another 2016 here again. Uh, I understand that Joe Biden is not Hillary Clinton, but at the same time, remember what happened in, in 2016. Everybody said, oh, Hillary's going to win. Trump's got no chance. And here we are again. Biden's going to win. Trump's got no chance. And all I know is this, that you never want to bet against Donald Trump. That's the bottom line. And here's another thing I've learned, that Trump usually wins unconventionally and he'll lose. If he's going to lose, he'll lose unconventionally. And so if he's going to actually lose this presidential race, well, clearly we know why. I mean, unconventionally, he's going to lose. He had a deal with being impeached this uh, in 2020. Uh, he had to deal with, oh, let me think, a global pandemic. Uh, he had to deal with uh, riots in the streets, uh, everything under the sun, all in one year, by the way. So that would be consider considering uh, losing uh, unconventionally. But I will say this, that my sense of it is, and I know this is totally counterintuitive, but so much is stacked up against Donald Trump. Everything, right? Impeachment, the global pandemic, uh, riots in the streets, the media is against him, the polling looks horrible, Joe Biden's in his basement just kind of mailing it in. It all looks bad for Donald Trump. My sense is because it looks so bad, it's exactly why Donald Trump will probably end up winning. And that could be, probably will be, the pod's honest truth. We'll see come November. Until next time, America. America.